grateful for that wonderful music this morning, and we're delighted that you're with us as we come uh, to celebrate our graduates and what they're doing, and also to come to worship the Lord. So those who are part of our church and our community, uh, we welcome you to this service, and those who listen from other places or even uh, watch this later on uh, at some point this week, we're delighted that you can be with us uh, as we come. We hope that you feel the presence of God in this place. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with what's going on in our church, please go to our website, and you can find there uh, pertinent information, relevant information, also those that we need to be praying for as that list is continually changing. Unfortunately, we've had another difficult week as we've lost loved ones here in this church. Uh, continue to pray for the uh, Douglas Young family, and also Neil Mitchell has had a difficult week, and would also like for you to remember Preston, who's had a hard week as well, and many others, please note that. Uh, but we're glad that you're here, and we, we do celebrate, although it feels like it's late because many of these have graduated from high school and college. Uh, some have been able to have some kind of ceremony. Others uh, in the college ranks, I think in particular, have not even been able to have any kind of graduation service. So we're delighted that you are with us. We hope that each of us, as we come, that we come to worship the Lord and that we feel his presence uh, in our homes and in this place. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you are sovereign, you are powerful, you're just who you are, and that you have this entire situation under control. Um, the situation with the virus and with the different families that Dr. Bridges just mentioned. God, thank you that you are in control over all of it and that you are so big and powerful that um, you can intervene and you can heal and you can protect, but that you're also so personal and intimate that you can um, understand what we're feeling, what we're going through. And Lord, we just ask your peace and your comfort and protection and your healing upon those families and upon those with the virus. Thank you so much that we are able to be here and celebrate today, uh, that we have technology that we can stream and share with our families. And we just ask that everything we do in the service and beyond be glorifying and pleasing to you. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. My name is Chris Wilson. I am the minister of youth and children here at Rollsville Baptist Church. And at this time in our service, we are going to be recognizing and honoring our graduates and doing a blessing for them as a church. For those of you watching at home, if you uh, will watch on your screen, there will be a responsive reading to come up. I invite you to join along with us, even from your homes, as the portion comes up that is titled, People. The portion that is titled, Leader, I will read. And the portion that is titled, Graduates, our graduates who are here with us this morning will read themselves. If you will, join along with me now. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. It is our prayer that the radiant blessing of God will shine upon each of these graduates as they take the wisdom and knowledge gleaned from their parents, their teachers, and their leaders and begin to make their mark on the road of life. We offer our blessing to these graduates and commit ourselves to supporting them with our steadfast love and constant prayers as they make this passage into the next phase of their lives. God's peace be with each of you. Amen. Now at this time, we are going to have our graduates come forward. Our high school graduates will be first. They'll come They'll grab a gift uh, that we've uh, already placed up here ready for them. And they'll state their name and their parents' names, where they're graduating from, and what their plans are uh, going forward. Um, I'm excited now uh, to welcome the high school class of 2020. Hi, my name is Sarah Baker, and my parents are Keith and Elizabeth Baker. I'm graduating from Bunn High School, and I will be attending the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in the fall. I'm Melinda Bullock. My parents are Wiley and Beverly Bullock. I have graduated from Roseville High School, and I will be attending Western Carolina University in the fall. My name is Carly Harrington. My parents are Brian and Cindy Harrington. I'm graduating from Heritage High School, and I will be attending East Carolina University in the fall. Hi, my name is Tyler Holmes. Uh, my parents are Farrah Wright and Jason Holmes, um, soon to be getting certified in electrician work. Um, haven't decided to go to school yet, but soon to go to a theater college too. Hi, my name is Sarah Keith, and my parents are Mandy and Eddie Keith, and I'm graduating from Roseville High School, and I'll be attending East Carolina University. My name is Joshua Reeves. My parents are James and Jane Reeves. I graduated from Roseville High School, and I'll be attending NC State in the fall. Congratulations to our class of 2020 high schoolers. And now at this time, we will recognize our class of 2020 college graduates. 
My name is Peyton Baker. My parents are AP and Lisa Baker. I just graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, and I will be starting my job with crew at UNC in August. Good morning. I'm James Bullock. My parents are Wiley and Beverly Bullock. I just graduated from Wake Tech Community College, and I'm a recruit for the City of Raleigh Fire Department. Morning, my name's Adam Keith. My parents are Mandy and Eddie Keith. Um, I recently graduated from the University of Mount Olive and I'm still looking for a job, hopefully, as a high school agricultural education teacher. Hi all, um, my name is Rachel Lyon. My wonderful parents are Tim and Christina Lyon. I just graduated from NC State University and I'm currently still interviewing for jobs, so if y'all could say a special blessing for me, that'd be great. <laughs> My name is Caitlin McGacky, and my parents are Chris and Michelle McGacky. I just graduated from ECU with a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing, and I'm currently working at WICMED in the pediatric ICU. Congratulations to the college high or excuse me, college graduates of 2020. Congratulations. <laughs> Day came later than it normally would. We are thankful that we have the opportunity to honor them, to recognize them, and to bless them this day. Graduates, we hope you feel the love from your church family here at Rollsville Baptist Church.
Good morning. Our scripture comes from Acts 16, verses 9 through 15. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There was a man of Macedonia standing, beseeching him and saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, straight away we sought to go forth into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach in the gospel unto them. Setting sail, therefore, from Troas, we made a straight course to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, of, which is the city of Macedonia, the first of the district, a Roman colony. And we were in this city training certain days. And on the Sabbath day, we went forth and without the gate by a riverside, where we, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spake unto the women that were there together. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyreta, one that worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened to give heed unto the things which were spoken by Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, and she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Thank you for the reading of that word, and may God bless our hearts with that word as we understand that message. Well, what an unusual time it still is, isn't it? I think it's probably uh, along 16 weeks that we've been doing this live service, and we are delighted again that our graduates could be with us. We had hoped to have done that early in June, and then we, we set another date in which we were going to have uh, another service and that didn't work out so uh, this virus continues to go on and on it seems but uh, uh, my message this morning is a defining moment certainly that has been a defining moment has been a defining time in our life uh, this whole coronavirus life has a way doesn't it of presenting us with defining moments they come in various forms we meet that right person that we'll spend our life with. We find that job that we have dreamed that we will have. Or we go to the doctor and he gives us a negative diagnosis concerning our health. 2020, in many ways, has been a defining year for almost everyone. Graduates, it's been a defining year for you. Uh, seniors in high school, you're uh, year has been cut short. You weren't able to finish up the spring of the year. Those in college, many of you had to come home and uh, do online work and be with your parents or someone else. Uh, some of you were able to graduate in a different way as that was augmented. Some of you in college, I understand, you still have not had a graduation service. So what a different year for graduates. Uh, not only has it been different here at our church, it's been different for you in your various uh, ways in which you're trying to operate. But in light of all of these changes that are taking place, in light of all the things that has transpired in our country, certainly we have to ask that question, so what will we do with these experiences? These defining moments in our life, uh, how will we use them? Will we become stronger? Will we become better? Or 
do they victimize us and hurt us in the end? We have a choice. Each of us has a choice how we respond to things that come to us in life. And as you have had these things to happen, we all know that others will come. I remember coming home from college uh, after going through some trying times in my life and uh, talking to our Minister of Music and Education, Wayne Johnson, and I was thanking him for his support and how that I had come through that, and he sort of gave me one of these little smirk smiles and said, that's not the only thing you're going to be facing in your life, but hopefully these experiences will prepare you later on uh, for other experiences that you will be able to handle. A pastor had a defining moment in his ministry. He went into the hospital. It was filled uh, with family members of a man who was dying. This man did not been coming to his church, um, but he knew him. And there was sort of a semicircle around the bed of this family member. And after a while of him being in there with them, um, the man who was dying asked that uh, he be left along just with the pastor. And so uh, the pastor uh, was in there with him for a few moments, and the man began to cry. And after a while, the pastor said, Are you afraid? And he said, No, I still feel that not even death will be able to separate me from Jesus Christ. And then he said, Then are you afraid of losing and leaving your family? And he said, Yeah, but that's not what really is bothering me. Then he said, what is exactly causing you so much uh, turmoil in your life? And he responded by saying this, and he said, I'll always remember these four words. He said to the pastor, I wasted my life. Then he began to tell how that he had done things that had hurt himself. He had squandered his possessions and drugs had entered his life and other things had taken priority over giving over his life to God and being obedient to what God would call him to do, uh, you see, he understood uh, that if he had followed God's path, that he would be in a different place on that day. Yet as that pastor left that hospital room, he thought how tragic it is that someone would come to the end of their life and all they had to say is, I have wasted my life. Imagine... For just a moment that you are in the room with two chairs one of them is the chair that God is sitting in and one of them is the chair that you're sitting in and as you sit down in those chairs you see a TV and a DVR player imagine God coming into the room with this DVD labeled with your name on it what might have been and you began to see the life that you have lived in the past. Imagine seeing what God could have done with your talents and your gifts if you had stepped out on faith and only used those gifts. Imagine seeing what God uh, could have had in store for you in relationships if you had allowed Him to enter into your life. Imagine seeing what God might have done with you if you had confronted your own personal sin and yielded your life completely to Him. Imagine being in the room, just you and God. You see, we have only one chance for God's dream for us. What have you done with your life up to this point as graduates, high school and college, as parents, 
as those who listen in at different stages of your life, what have you done with what God has given to you? I hope that you've done very much with it. Do you feel as though you've taken advantage of those advantages that God has given to you? Well, take heart, because as long as you have breath, it is never, ever too late. At this very moment, you can make things better. You can turn your life around regardless of what has transpired up to this point. The Bible absolutely is full of people from cover to cover who have had very great challenges. Many have made mistakes and yet made amends. Look at King David. He committed all kinds of sins, of murder and adultery, of lying even before his own mankind. And yet we're told in the end he was a man after God's own heart. Jacob was a deceiver but came to trust God without manipulating other people. Moses killed an Egyptian but was freed from that to free those Israelites that were in bondage. But the person that I want to talk about today is Saul who became Paul. If ever there was a person who took advantage of their own personal gifts and talents and resources that God had given to them, you see, it was Paul. Paul made a positive decision. This scripture uh, that we just had read before us is a vivid example of how Paul uh, was taking advantage of his gifts and deciding to live out God's purpose and plan for him. After a very difficult and disappointing beginning to what was supposed to be a great missionary journey, we find here that Paul was called in a vision to go to Macedonia. Now, he was to go there and share the good news. At this point in his journey, Paul had every excuse in the world not to obey God. Uh, he could have said it's too dangerous, it's too long a trip. He could have said, well, you know, I don't want to fail again, or I am uh, not competent enough to handle disappointment and failure if I experience it this time. We all face those same kinds of challenges, don't we? I remember after graduating uh, from college and going to one semester of seminary at Southwestern Theological Seminary and coming back, and Teresa was still in school, and we got married, and I was working in an associate position in Marion, North Carolina, and um, things were going pretty well. Teresa had a full-time job, and, and uh, I had been an associate in working in children and youth and education, and then the pastor left, and I became interim pastor at the age of 23. And we decided, though, to leave that. We had a wonderful life. We was going out and eating about every night, and we were putting money in the bank. But we went to seminary here in Wake Forest to be able to finish our education. And I came without a job. I thought I would get a ministerial job pretty quick, but that was not the case. They were probably lined up about 10 or 12 deep for every position that was available. And so that little bit of money that we had in savings, it began to dissipate. And we certainly didn't want to share with our parents how difficult things were. And finally, I was able to get an associate position at White Level Baptist Church outside of Lewisburg. But Teresa and I both were a little discouraged, and we were asking where God is in the midst of all of this. 
And I remember questioning, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be in the ministry? Is this, this is really what you've called me to do, God? I, I'm questioning that again because things have been so difficult while we've been here. And I remember saying, okay, Lord, if this is what you've called me to do, I need some assurance. I need assurance right now that this is what you have called me to do. I was to preach in that church the coming Sunday. And I remember standing up and preaching, and I felt the power and the presence of God. And there were a lot of things that happened as a result of that sermon that confirmed to me that God had called me to do ministry. And I haven't really looked back since. Not saying that it's always been easy, but I've known that God called me to do that. It was a defining moment in my life. It was a moment that was pivotal that I go back and look at even now and think about that, that God confirmed to me uh, that I was supposed to be doing that. You see, all of us, as human beings, we make choices. Between today and our last day on earth, you will make critical decisions based upon the kind of person that you want to be and that you want to be able to achieve in your life. The only question I think maybe that we need to ask in regards to that, will your decisions be worthy of the gifts that God has given to you? Now, I don't know all the gifts that he's given to our graduates, and I certainly don't, don't know all the gifts that he's given to those who are listening uh, there this morning. But I know that God has blessed and touched and gifted each of us, and he wants us to use those gifts. But it's easy for us to make bad decisions. We all make mistakes, don't we? Maybe not like these two instances I'm getting ready to tell you about, but a man walked in Topeka, Kansas in the quick stop and asked for the money that was in the cash drawer. Apparently, uh, the draw was too small, and so he tied up the store clerk, and he worked the counter himself for three hours until the police showed up and grabbed him. Or... The police in L.A. who had good luck with a suspect who just could not control himself in the lineup. When detectives asked each man in the lineup to repeat these words, give me your money or I'll shoot, the man shouted out, that's not what I said. We all make mistakes, maybe, no, maybe not those kinds of mistakes, but we all have our failures. We all come up short of what God would have us to be. We are the persons we are today because of some of the decisions we've already made. However, what is equally true is that all of us are the persons we are today because of decisions that we may not have made. Not to decide, listen to me, not to decide is to decide. If we don't decide, someone or something else will decide for us. When we fail to decide, we miss opportunities and we are faced with less options. The longer that we wait for a decision, you see, the easier it becomes for bad habits to creep in and to make those wrong decisions. So we need to make positive decisions based upon what God is leading us to do. Helen Keller said it this way, Science may have found a cure for all the evils, but it is not found, no remedy for the worst of all evils, 
the apathy of human beings. Sometimes we become complacent. Sometimes we become stagnant. Sometimes we stand in place. And God wants us to move forward. Many of us, we don't see our apathy, but we can see our excuses. We may say at some point, I wish I had a better job, but, you know, I've got security in this job, and I'm making money, and I'm able to provide uh, for the needs of those in my family, so I'm going to stay where I am. Or, maybe you're an individual who says, I'd like to grow spiritually, but I just can't find time to read the Scriptures and to spend time in prayer with God and really meditate about who He wants me to be. Maybe we realize uh, that we have fantastic potential and opportunities to do more than what we're presently doing. But we say, well, if somebody would come along and help me and give me some support and somebody would come along and give me uh, guidance as to what I need to be doing, I would do that. When we were coming to church, maybe you said, I'd like to go to church more regularly. I really would, preacher. I'd really like to be there. But I stayed out late last night. Or... You know, that music has changed that they're playing at the church these days, and I don't really like that, so I think I'll stay at home. You see, we decide not to decide oftentimes. Are you ready to make a decision? The kind that will change your life, that will be that defining moment? What is your greatest passion? I wonder that with our graduates this morning. And does it intersect with what God would have you to do in the life of his church you see my understanding of who we are as God's people is that we need to discover in God's timing in our own way who we are and what we should be about and go in going that direction I like what Howard Thurman said ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Move forward today. Taking action on something good and worthy. There needs to be uh, those people like yourself in the church that can fill those roles. The church today is struggling holistically. Many people and many young people have left the church. I can tell you in this church now that there are roles that we need for people to fill. And you may be the person to fill that role. You see, what is it that God has blessed you with? What has He given to you? And what is it that you need to be about doing? It's easy to say somebody else can do it and somebody else can do it better. No, God's calling you. I argued with God a long time. I said, God, you can get somebody else better than me. But God calls us for his own reasons. We don't always understand why. We cannot overstate in looking at Paul his great determination. For it was not always easy for Paul. When Paul, Silas, and Timothy reached Troas, Paul's great missionary journey had been anything but great. You see, Paul and Barnabas, they had gotten a squabble, argument, and they had parted their ways. Paul's ambitious plan to go Bithynia was spoiled by Jesus. And worst of all, uh, they had not converted a soul. It would have been enough 
for any of them to say, let's just go home. But Paul was determined to finish what God had started in his life, and he called him to press on. And so he set sail to Macedonia. Little did he know that this could become the greatest missionary work that he had ever done, for they founded that blessed church that was close to his heart there at Philippi. As we reflect upon Paul's determination in his spirit, perhaps we can say, I would love to have that same kind of determination. But whenever I get ambitious, it doesn't last for long, and, and discouragement sets in, and that drive is killed. Well, it may comfort you to know that Paul himself was not walking around with a Superman cape around his neck. He experienced turmoil and disappointment and conflict all of his life, yet Paul knew that God had given him all the resources he needed to succeed, and he moved forward. You are no different from Paul. God has given you the resources that you need, a mind and a dream, and certainly, most of all, His Holy Spirit to give you direction. Can you hear God's Spirit working in your life? Can we pause long enough to understand where God is leading us to and from? I think that um, when we were a baby, we don't remember those days. We listen to what mom and dad and grandma and grandpa tell us about that. But we didn't know that word quit. I'm sure when we were crawling and getting into things and trying to walk, and we would fall down and get back up. We didn't know that word quit. We kept on keeping on. But as we got older, we began to hear words and understand language. Words started to creep into our vocabulary like can't, quit, won't, and don't. As a teenager, Charlie uh, Reeb experienced a tennis coach who had played basketball for the L.A. Lakers. His coach was a tremendous athlete, and he was a tremendous tennis coach. And he said, one of the exercises he'd have me to do would be to get as low as I could to the ground. And, and I just got tired of that, and I finally said one day, I can't, I can't. And he had heard it one time too many, and he jumped completely over the net and got in my face and said, Son, get that word out of your vocabulary because can't never could. If we believe that we can't do it, we won't do it. If we believe that we cannot succeed in whatever God's called us to do, then God won't do anything about that. Paul believed what he said there in Philippi. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was confident that no matter what life threw at him, that the power of Christ could overcome it. It could shield him from it. You see, God never quits on us, and we never need to quit on God. Why should we quit on God? Yet whenever we do quit, God says, Get up, get up again, and get ready to go again. We don't want you to miss out on something that may be the very best thing in all of your life. From Paul's testimony to the Corinthians, Paul 
experienced intimidation. His critics within the church insulted him. We find the Jewish leaders, they slandered him. The government authorities, they threatened him, physically tortured him. But Paul was not going to cave into that. We have to let some of our experiences be defining moments to propel us forward. There will always be those critics that are attempting uh, to put us down when we're trying to do something good. Take the high road and understand what God's call and purpose is is higher than anybody else's calling. There will always be jealous and insecure people desiring to destroy our lives and our plans. There will always be backbiters who will try to intimidate you. There will always be critics who will affirm your failures. They'll let you know about those. Yet when you do fail and you get down and out in your own self-pity and your critics continue to shake their fingers at you saying, I told you so, just remember this. The victim says, I can't. The victor says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The victim says, we never did it that way before. And the victor says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. The victim, he lives in fear. But the victor lives in faith. The victor sees problems. The victor is able to see opportunity. The victim strikes back, but the victor turns the other cheek. The victim harbors resentment. The victor forgives even as Christ has forgiven us. The victim gives up. The victor presses on. The victim explains why can't it be done. And the victor believes that it can be done. The victim offers up excuses, but the victor sets an example. And the victim is reactive, whereas the victor is proactive. The victim says, "With man, this is impossible. But the victor says, with God, all things are possible. The victim says, the odds, the odds are against us. But the victor says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to me. We have far too many people who are victims in this world who are setting still and they have all kinds of excuses for not moving forward. Sir Edwin Hillary made some unsuccessful attempts at scaling Mount Everest. After those failures, he finally succeeded, but he learned from his failures. For instance, one time, uh, he stood at the mountain's base and shook his fist uh, at it and said, I'll beat you yet because you are as big as you're ever going to be, and I'm still growing. And he did grow. He grew emotionally and mentally, and he grew spiritually, and he realized, even in his failures, how he was going to overcome scaling that mountain. And he was able, eventually, to do that. You see, he had a defining moment several times. Maybe some of the things we're going through today in the world that's really challenging, it's obstacles. We can look at it as, okay, uh, I have reason to stop and not do anything. 
or we can allow those experiences to be defining moments that can really transform our lives and can turn us into the people that God has called us to be. My goodness. Go and read the autobiography of Paul in Scriptures. If a man was ever challenged, it was Paul. And yet he took those experiences and he used them to do the work of God in such a marvelous way. Second most renowned person in the Scriptures beside Jesus. God wants to take who we are and what we are and what we're about and use it for his kingdom's work. Will you allow him to do that in your life? Perhaps you're on the cusp of a great decision in your life. Perhaps you are ready to move forward and out of this mediocrity. Maybe you have decided to be the person that God has called you to be, and you're willing to take advantage of this opportunity that God has afforded you. You see, all of us, regardless of our station in life, it's not too late. We may be like that man in the story that I told at the beginning of my sermon that felt as though he had wasted his life, and maybe you're feeling that way right now, but we don't need to stay there. God's given us a new day, new opportunities, new possibilities that He's afforded us. And we need to claim those, and we need to embrace those, and we need to say, God, show me the way that I need to go, and we need to do it with all the gusto and fervor that we have in our hearts. And you'll make a difference in this world, graduates. You'll make a difference in this world, parents and family. You'll make a difference in this world, uh, just an average person in the world that we live, if we allow ourselves to succumb to the will of God in our life. Maybe you're ready. Maybe you just need a little push out of that nest so that you'll begin to fly. God calls us to have those defining moments, and to use those defining moments for growth and for His glory and to make this world a better place to live. Wouldn't it be wonderful if each of us who are able to hear my voice today and others around the world, that if you took those experiences that God has given to you, that you've experienced, and use those for the good that we could change our world in a magnificent way. You have a wonderful, fantastic, unbelievable opportunity that God has given to you. Will you use those defining moments? Amen and amen. Would you join me in a prayer, please? Father, help each of us to understand who we are in you. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that even when we have moments that we don't like in our life, that you're teaching us, that we're in the process of learning and growing. And Lord, we thank you for these dear graduates. We thank you for their families. So many of them, Lord, have been taught uh, right from wrong, wonderful values. They are the people they are today because parents and grandparents and extended family have entered their life and have coached them and taught them 
and prayed for them, and we thank you for their families. We thank you for who they are, Lord, and how you have gifted them. And we just pray, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would anoint them on this morning, that they would use those gifts and talents and abilities to be able to serve you in the world. We need this generation to step up and do the work that God has called them to do. And we pray, Lord, for those in our church uh, who have been hurting and suffering. We've lost so many families and so many family members uh, have been affected by death during this last month of our church life. And we pray, Lord, that you would console and comfort those and bless them. We pray, Lord, that those who are going through down times and sad times and depressing times, that you would lift their spirits so many. Lord, are discouraged by all this taking place in their lives, present tense, and we feel oftentimes confined and isolated. But Lord, enter your holy presence into their life. Lord, we pray that each of us, where we are right now, would pray that prayer that, Lord, who I am, as flawed as I am, as weak as I am, as sinful as I am, that I give my life over to you, Lord, to use it the best you can for your glory and to help this world be a better place. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and for his sake. Amen. Again, it is good to have you with us today. Uh, we ask the Lord would bless you and keep you until we meet again, that he would hold you in the very palm of his hand and he'd care for you. If we can assist you here at the church, our staff in any possible way, let us know. And we ask the Lord to bless you. Graduates, congratulations again. We're expecting great things out of you in the days ahead. And we hate that you've gone through what you've had to go through uh, this past year. But God can use that to his glory. And we're excited about what we're going to hear is going to take place in your life. God bless you.